Welcome to Hello from the Pluriverse, a podcast about sharing the stories of designers and design thinkers from different backgrounds around the world. I'm Leslie-Anne Noel, a designer from Trinidad and Tobago and a professor of practice at Tulane University in New Orleans. The name of our podcast is a reference to Designs for the Pluriverse by Arturo Escobar. In our podcast, we explore the stories of designers from many different countries, women designers, designers of color, and designers from the LGBTQI community. In our interviews, we explore how place and identity affect their work, what they say about design, design thinking, and social innovation, and what advice they would give to non-designers who are using design methods. We'll continue to share more stories throughout the series about designers from many different worlds, from our little corner of the world, at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University in New Orleans. Welcome to another episode of the Hello from the Pluriverse podcast. I'm your host today. My name is Max Esperance. I'm a one-year Master of Business Analytics student here at Tulane University. I'm a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking. I plan to be a business intelligence analyst in the future and work my way up the corporate ranks at a major company. I'm very interested in real estate, art, and sculpture. I was born in Haiti and I have a military background. Here with me today is my co-host, Natalie. Natalie, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, how are you? Good. Uh, yeah, so my name is Natalie Hudnick. I'm in my second year in the Master of Public Health and Maternal and Child Health program here at Tulane School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine. And I'm also a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Taylor Center. I hope to one day see me work in public health at a state health department, hopefully working in the Maternal and Child Health Division. I'm originally from outside St. Louis, Missouri, and I have a bachelor's degree in cultural anthropology. So today we are going to be listening in on the interview of Debbie Eswick. Born and raised in Barbados, Debbie Eswick has held many roles throughout her career in design. She has held the role of Director of Marketing and Communications, Professor of Integrative Design to Design Advisor. Debbie has a Master's in Design and Brand Strategy and currently is in charge of Corporate Communications at Barbados Investment and Development Corporation. Um, so this interview was originally recorded in fall 2019. Natalie and I are here today to hear what Debbie has to say about her approach to design thinking. After the recording, we'll, we'll be here to discuss our thoughts and what we learned and hopefully spark some uh, discussion for our listeners. Uh, uh, Natalie, what are you looking forward to listening to in this uh, podcast? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing about Debbie's uh, BIDC projects and the role that design thinking plays in them. I think it could potentially be helpful to hear about how people from different fields come together to solve problems. What about you? I'm just looking forward to hearing about her upbringing in Barbados because I'm from the Caribbean as well. So let's have a listen. Um, so my name is Debbie Estwick. I'm from Barbados. I got into design because I studied it in college. <laughs> Yeah. I studied graphic design in college. It was a bit of a journey to get there because I started out in literature and history. And I quit that to go do design, visual arts and then design. Um, and then I did a master's in design and branding strategy at Brunel University in London. And mm -hmm. yeah, I've kind of stayed on the design train ever since. Yeah, okay, so that would have been in 2016. So I was just starting to make the transition back over to, you know, really trying to push design strategy in the Caribbean space. Mm -hmm. So after I studied, I came back, I worked for a branding agency as their senior brand and innovation strategist. Then I moved to Trinidad and was the director of marketing, integrated marketing communications. And then I left that so that I could try to see what I could pursue. Um, you know, in terms of having a more strategic conversation about design, seeing what design can do beyond just, unfortunately, in this space, sometimes the perception is that, oh, designers just make it pretty, mm -hmm. you know, so I really wanted to, to push that conversation a lot further. Um, so I think that would have been kind of the context in which I was speaking back then. Um, I can't remember which article that was under, <laughs> if you can remind me, because I was doing um, things then. Yeah, yeah, so that lead up was, was to that, um, you know, where 
sometimes people will see design. We know graphic design, we know fashion design, and even with how persons will interact with graphic designers, sometimes it's just like you call in a graphic designer at the end, oh, make it look pretty, like make mm -hmm. lots of colors, you know, where design is so much more than that. And when we, the, the whole context of that was that when we overlook some of the functional aspects of design, we kind of cut ourselves short and we limit the impact that design can have. And I think that at the time um, I was teaching, I was teaching integrated design at the university. Um, that's the University of the West Indies, which is in Trinidad. Um, so there are bits and elements in there that refer to product design, there are bits that refer mm -hmm. to graphic design, that kind of thing. Um, so I was starting to work with the students to get them to think about how can this design discipline, whether it's graphic design or product design or whatever, how can this address a problem that we have? You know, so it's not just about, you know, well, let's just do stuff that looks cool and looks great. There is an aspect of stuff that is appealing, but it doesn't end there. So like that kind of thinking can lead to helping designers think about, well, these are the problems that affect us in society, things like forest fires, they happen a lot in, in, in Trinidad, we'll, we'll have fires and that kind of thing. Things like the long, long, long lines and the waiting times when you go to renew a license. Um, mm -hmm. It isn't the same everywhere, but in Trinidad, the lines were ridiculous. You could spend literally the whole day, wow. you know, and those are issues that design can address, it can help address. So if you think of, if I'm a graphic designer, and I realize that forest fires are a problem. I can use my graphic design skills and create a campaign. Yeah. There we have, you know, an attempt at a solution and something that can contribute to more than just, oh, let's do something pretty. If I am, even if I'm a graphic designer and I'm looking at the problems in terms of the licensing authority and the amount of time you have to wait, there are elements of graphic design that can help direct people to here, to there, and so on. There are other roles for other types of designers in that kind of situation, but it's to get persons to think of, oh, design might have a way to address these problems. That's where it also got tricky because I don't like to define design without relating it to its disciplines. Um, I think, and this is probably bad and it's probably based on a fear. One of the fears I have is that we will ignore the disciplines of design, the professional qualifications of designers, and just go, everybody's a designer, which to a degree, that is true in some circumstances, but there's still a value for trained designers who specialize mm -hmm. in certain areas, and that's where the disciplines um, come in. You know, if you think of the work that, say, an industrial designer does, they have a certain skill set that can be very useful, very helpful, to deal with certain situations. They may be able to take aspects of that and apply them somewhere else, um, mm -hmm. but I, I, I like to push the conversation to, okay, if we're talking, this is designed, which disciplines are we talking about in this context? Mm -hmm. You know, which disciplines apply or may apply to, this, to solving this problem? Because yeah. while anyone can, design in a sense and design in some ways and help design a solution there's still certain disciplines that if you think of a communications problem and putting up a billboard somewhere a graphic designer is going to know i need this text big enough that people can see it <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah on the highway i need to not have too many words that kind of thing so there's still a value and a role for each discipline if we think of to me if we think of the problems that we have and we think of what disciplines could maybe apply or be best suited to help address this problem, you know, I think that then becomes helpful. Yes, I have the formal design training. Um, um, the best example for the transition over to design thinking, actually I started it in Trinidad. I didn't, I didn't start it here. So while I was in Trinidad, taking that same approach of what kinds of problems might we have? What kinds of solutions um, might we be able to come up with in helping design in her various disciplines help? Oh, design is a her today. 
okay. <laughs> Designing her or his various disciplines. Um, so I started a project there um, called Design Books, where, I mean, really, it didn't start as me intentionally trying to solve a problem initially. Mm -hmm. I really liked to sign. I really wanted to make a book for a friend. And then, you know, my friend loved it so much and showed it to everybody. I was like, you know what? This can be a bit of a solution because I got his signs. I got the book to, to make the sign just from getting it off the street, <laughs> you know, because the signs, um, there's a sign painter in Trinidad, Viscayone, really, really good sign painter, does great work, he'll promote facts and parties and that kind of thing, and one of the challenges within that whole sign system is that the signs can stay up for the longest time, like for a whole year and more, and then they just fall yeah. off, you know, so that's kind of where it started, and then um, a role came up in Barbados with our Barbados Investment and Development Corporation for a design advisor, which is really uncommon in the Caribbean. You do not find, um, I think we are the only agency like in the English speaking Caribbean investment and development agency that has a design team. Um, so I came back to Barbados, became a design advisor and under that is then where I started to evolve in more design thinking kind of work. It didn't exist in the corporation because my role at that time as design advisor, I'm not a design advisor anymore. I have a different role in the corporation which lets me more do, do more design thinking stuff. Um, but there was a project that came up where somebody was like, oh, we need a, a youth forum for Innovate Barbados. And being a designer, I can't help but want to maximize the opportunity so i wanted to do something you know that recognized a link between design and innovation and that helped to inspire people to also design their own solutions solve our own problems yeah. um, so that's kind of where it started that first year we looked at bridgetown 2030 so i developed the framework for that whole project that year and it's evolved every year since um, so it was building this multidisciplinary team. So there was a designer on the team. Um, we, we just called in applications and then had a committee decide who would be accepted, knowing that it needed to be a multidisciplinary team. And we were picking them for their vision of Bridgetown 2030. And then we were going to walk them through a whole process to immerse them in understanding the problem and all this kind of stuff. So there was a designer, there was an engineer. It turned out there were kind of two designers because there was a guy who was a managing director, but he managed a creative agency and he had a degree in design. So that worked out pretty cool. There was a marketer, a researcher, uh, an engineer. There were two engineers actually. No, one engineer and one, one other person who was in something related like that. And there was somebody in software engineering. So it was a good mix, um, that team. And it went so well that when they did their presentation at the innovation conference um, that culminates the whole initiative, they got a standing ovation. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. And there was a good bit of interest in what they were proposing and that kind of thing. So it was to figure out how do we evolve from there. And, and that, of course, has been the challenge. So it's constantly, you know, the design thinking came into play in developing how do you help people um, get together and start to solve social issues and other issues? Um, how do you get them to put themselves in the place of, say, someone who has a disability and needs to navigate through the city? Um, mm -hmm. So everyone was given a persona. You may be, uh, one of them was a person who had a disability. One of them was a mom with a small child because that person's experience is going to be very, very different from say a young college student, which was another one, or an elderly person. So all these different personas they had to assume. And we did a live tour of the city, walked through the city, experienced the city. Um, even brought a, re a wheelchair so that the person who had the disability could really see what it was like. And that 
revealed a number of things that they hadn't noticed before. You know, mm -hmm. like where sidewalks would just end. <laughs> there was no ramp, there was no slope. Yeah. Ended like in a gutter, which for a person who's actually in a wheelchair, that's a major problem. They can't navigate the city by themselves. So yeah, that's kind of where things started to evolve into more design thinking stuff at, at this job. There's, in design, there's, there's, I'm gonna say equality, even though I know that sounds, that might sound a little tricky. Mm -hmm. uh, in that with designers doing design and stuff like that, we tend to take the, the humanistic kind of side. We can put ourselves in the other person's shoes. We can, you know, try to do that and empathize with them. Um, I think there's a role for equality in that um, sometimes the popular conversation, which is different from what happen happens necessarily in academia, but when, when the buzzwords get out there, you know, where design thinking becomes a buzzword, it becomes mm -hmm. all these things to other people and sometimes the equality disappears where it's suddenly like, you know, this role is elevated and the others don't matter as much. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily happen with design here in that way, but the conversation, even among designers, sometimes makes it sound like it, we should be valued above everyone else, mm -hmm. um, which can be really tricky because everybody has a role to play. Just like with the, the disciplines of design, the consideration for is there a role that the software engineer has to play? Is there a role that, you know, the mechanical engineer has to play? Mm -hmm. You know, the, the equality matters. I think having design, having a seat at the table is very important. Design being involved in planning and structuring is also important. And I mean, that in itself is design but that role may be carried by someone who isn't trained in design. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but I think, I think the equality is, is important, you know, so that we value design, but we don't overvalue it or undervalue it. That's what I'm trying to say. I would say, yes, it's really great to explore. And I would add that even as you're practicing design thinking, it doesn't necessarily make you a designer as a design mm -hmm. thinker it can help it can contribute and in a sense you may be designing systems but i would want to suggest that you remember there's a role for the disciplines of design um and you know to remember to respect and value persons who would have had a design degree who contribute in those disciplines who would be able to contribute to a project I think maybe my response may sound a little defensive at that just because of, you know, some of the conversations I've had and heard um, here where design kind of becomes a buzzword. So then I, I actually had a conversation with one person who said he was a design thinker and a designer, but then he said he didn't like any designers. Um, and he didn't have any respect for any designers. He didn't want to see anyone from the university who was either teaching design or studying design. He didn't see any value in, in them. Oh. You know, to my mind, if you want to call yourself a designer or a design thinker, maybe some value for design might be important in, in that. Yeah. Um, so I think that would be my caution to remember to yes read yes engage yes want to get involved but remember that it doesn't replace the role of designers who have the skill set for the various disciplines we, we did a design thinking session um, at work we brought in an external company that does it and we did it with them and it was really valuable it was really useful what you were saying reminded me of something i always say design ideas are as good as their execution okay you know so even though you've thought up the thing mm -hmm. it's as good as its execution so if you cannot yeah. execute it 
<laughs> you've not arrived. Whereas a designer will have learned how to be able to execute within their discipline. So, you know, that, that becomes critically important. If we're doing design thinking and we're having all these great ideas, we're going to need to execute them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the value is significantly less, in my opinion, if they can't be executed. Most proud of, I think, would be a collection of, of things. So mm -hmm. I'm really proud of my work with Innovate Barbados and mm -hmm. our Blue Flame Challenge, which is also a part of Innovate Barbados, but, but they're different. I have to separate them as projects just because Blue Flame, uh, the Blue Flame Challenge is a thing in itself, whereas that is a competition to bring together multidisciplinary teams and inspire them to be able to address our own problems. Yeah. So in, in building out how that functions, um, I'm now building out for the third year of our Blue Flame Challenge. Our first year was the Bridgetown 2030. Last year we did a Blue Flame Hackathon in partnership with IBM, um, mm -hmm. where we, we'll dissect the problems around a sector. So for us last year, we were dealing with exports. So we split that up into three challenges for the hackathon. Um, one was to do with finding products, like local products overseas within the export market. One was to do with um, shipping and getting the products there. And one was to do with the marketing aspect and awareness of the exports. Um, and that went pretty well. Out of that, we've had, um, of course, a team one, and they would have moved forward with trying to develop their idea and their solution. Yeah. Um, and, and up to this year, one of the teams that didn't win came back to the organization and they were like, you know, we're moving forward. We are looking to, I think they have a space in the airport that they're going to be starting their business, the same one that they came up with in the hackathon. So, you know, for me, that's, that's progress. That's innovation at work where if we can just inspire one team to start, even if it takes a while, because <laughs> it can be difficult, um, you know, that's progress. This year, the challenge that I'm kind of building out has to do with climate change and hurricanes. Um, okay. So in the Caribbean, we stand to be affected significantly with climate change. We've had some of the worst hurricanes and it can affect a country for decades to come. Like it will set them back for years. Um, so, and then of course there's all the death and the, the suffering and everything else that comes during and after the hurricane. It's terrible. Um, so this challenge this year, I'm building it out three areas, also multidisciplinary teams where we identify because um, this is what I've kind of built into the structure. Identify what roles and skill sets and disciplines, not necessarily just design disciplines, any, you know, might be best suited to contributing to a solution in this area. So yeah. we're dealing with food, water, shelter, those three, for during and after a hurricane. Um, mm -hmm. So as an example, if you think of during a hurricane, water levels are going to rise. That's a problem. Um, mm -hmm. During a hurricane, you may lose your water tank, which was your backup water supply for drinking water that you could have after the hurricane. How do you secure something like that? That, that hasn't really been addressed yet. That's, you know, water tanks still sit outside and hopefully they don't blow away. You know, um, after the hurricane, then you have all these diseases that are in the water because yeah, yeah. It's not really the safest thing. Um, so there are a lot of problems around before, during, well, more during and after a hurricane around food, water, shelter. So that's this year's challenge. Innovate Barbados is its own thing. That one has evolved into, a, it's a conference, but it's bigger than just, you know, going to a seminar, sitting down, listening to some people and stuff like that. It's a whole movement behind it. There's an experience built into it. So there was a lot of experience design in there. I can't call myself an experienced designer, but as a designer, you know, using the same thinking processes, that kind of thing, and having that visual ability. Um, there's actually a quote that says something similar like that, you know, about how designers can apply themselves to all these things. Um, 
you know, using all of that, I can look to intentionally build this experience that's going to be uniquely Barbadian, inspiring, educational, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm quite proud of what we've been doing with Innovate Barbados because it's been this space where we can attract all these different areas that can influence policy for a country. So <laughs> government, academia, um, the schools, Webb University College, we also include like secondary schools and so on. So government, academia, private sector, as in entrepreneurs and businesses, that kind of thing. All of them are in the same space with our young people and they're all gathered around the same kinds of topics. And when we curate, when we curate a panel, we'll curate it around these connected areas. The experiences we build out kind of push people to think differently, think more, reconsider how could we merge this culture and that culture and make something new. Um, so Innovate has been really interesting. I'm really proud to be a part of that, to be involved in that, to have a role in, in shaping and building that out every year. Um, so yeah, those are my two, I think my two proudest things right now that are going. Good for yeah. you. I'm still building out how I'm shaping that Blue Flame Challenge because this year, well, next year, we want to take it beyond Barbados alone and make it a regional because mm -hmm. it's, it's our whole region that is affected um, by the hurricanes and so on. Um, so we've already started having conversations and drumming up partners and that kind of thing. So like right now, I am our national lead for Climate Launchpad Barbados. So, you know, getting the teams ready so they can go to the Netherlands and they can present um, Climate Launchpad is a EU funded uh, competition. It's the biggest mm -hmm. green business ideas competition in the world. That's what they say. Wow. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy about that. I'm looking forward to moving forward with the teams, seeing how we can help them when they come back to develop. Um, Blue Flame and Innovate. We're actually going bigger for Innovate next year too. Um, so it won't be just Innovate Barbados, it'll be Innovate Caribbean. Well, Innovate Barbados, the Caribbean edition. Um, and we want to look at a blue-green Caribbean. So blue economy and green economy, oceans, land and nature, and yeah, all blue and green economies and all the myriad of possibilities for those like when you think of our ecosystem we have a really diverse ecosystem all the food and stuff like that like what can we do differently creatively and that kind of thing to use our plants um whether that's the medicinal and herbal plants um the foods that we grow like how can we process them like a lot of our like our sweet potato our cassava, all of it is naturally gluten-free. We have a couple of flowers from those, but can we do something more to develop something with a larger value chain? Yeah. You know, like so many possibilities. Um, so yeah, we wanna highlight those and we, we have a couple partners and so on that we should be able to work with for those. So I'm really, I'm really excited about that. And this seems to be the year where we really can do it bigger, a lot bigger. Oh. Our hope is that we can really inspire, encourage, and support the mm -hmm. private sector, entrepreneurs, your average individual, and really yeah. embracing innovation, you know, and not just embracing it theoretically. Because um, sometimes part of the challenge is when people hear about innovation, they don't know what to do <laughs> or they think it means you know just almost like if you give a kid a can of paint and tell them do something yeah. you know where they may have a skill set they may have a real skill set but they don't think of innovating within their skill set which mm -hmm. that's more what we need because they have expertise to go just try and do something randomly different just because they want to be innovative which really they mean they want to be creative they're not being innovative they're being creative you know we, we really want to encourage innovation and be able to support 
innovation, whether that means kind of inspiring people, that's part of it. That's part of what we try to do. We try to educate so that people know these are the areas that may have opportunities for innovation. Like you okay. can see with, with the whole gluten-free market, there are opportunities for innovation there, you know. Um, so educate is one, inspire. You know, if we can encourage and recognize companies and persons who are being innovative within their area, you know, that would be a really great thing. I know I was talking to my director and that's something that is on the list for innovative Barbados Caribbean So inspire, educate, um, highlight and display, you know, talk about our people who have done things, who are doing things, who are innovating, yeah. who are innovators, you know, and support it as much as possible. Um, you know, and make it collaborative and regional because we're such a tiny island. We're smaller than a city. We really are. We're 166 square miles, which is tiny. Wow. So to really do a lot, we will have to collaborate. You know, we'll mm -hmm. have to develop partnerships, it may be inter-island partnerships because one island you may not find all the resources that you need, you know, in terms of knowledge and talent and skill and that kind of thing, you may need to go outside. So yeah, find ways that we can foster and support those kinds of partnerships, um, highlight what people are doing, attract investment, all that kind of stuff. We have some really good support, like my director, my manager, um, you know my director i have to give her credit because she's the one who let me you know start yeah. to explore these design thinking things and gave me the freedom to do it everyone will not let you do that yeah. <laughs> you know but she okay. was like tell me what you want and tell me what you need and i will i'll do it <laughs> you know cool. yeah so i enabled and she has she has the vision you know she has a huge vision for innovate Barbados and all of that and collaboratively like everybody has a role that they can contribute in um, and the lines blur often but it really does take a team <laughs> you know yeah I don't have anything really going in in that space entirely right now there are a couple things i was interested in um mm -hmm. there was a project here in barbados um uh these guys they they got uh it's called union collaborative i was trying to remember the name. union collaborative so bridgetown is the dying city which is why we did Bridge, bridgetown 2030 because it, it it was a city in decline at the time i haven't read the numbers for like this year so i don't know if it's improving i think it might be because um, there have been some initiatives to to address that. But they, they've managed to get a dilapidated mall in, in the city. Um, it's kind of falling apart, but they can do whatever they want with the building. But it's a challenge, you know, because it, it needs a lot of work. And while they can do some things themselves, it requires investment, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really haven't figured out, and I want to do a lot with that project, but mm -hmm. like I wanted to do a little garden because it has a courtyard. It has this massive courtyard in the middle of the mall. It still has these, you know, the, the like they look almost like barn doors, but they're these huge doors that like the horses and the carriages would have driven in in like the 1800s oh. into the courtyard. And like there's, you could plant stuff in there, but it has no running water. So how am I going to water these plants? How are you going to do? Oh, okay, yeah. So like the running water is going to take some money, <laughs> you know. So that's the challenge. I I really haven't figured out how to work with them, but they are more social innovation project. They're trying to build a community design focus and design centered community around the space and in the space and use the space eventually, you know, yeah. to have events and to sell um designer stuff they have some stuff selling in the space right now but 
it's a challenge and I, I don't know how to solve it <laughs> other yeah. than it needs some funding. It needs some TLC. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't have much, much to offer in terms of social innovation right now. I mean, Blue Flame Challenge kind of does that, but then that blurs the lines with entrepreneurship because the hope yeah. is of course that when you figure out how to address these social issues and stuff, do it <laughs> and make yeah. money from it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So right now my interest has been in exploring and questioning what does or what can or what should aesthetics mean to me as a Caribbean person. So it becomes more, more personal in terms of how I explore that. Um, mm -hmm. So if you're familiar with aesthetics, it's not just about style. People will use the word style when they really, people will use the word aesthetics when they really mean style. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if we're having a conversation about aesthetics, then we have to talk about, you know, what elevates it. You know, does a certain class of person value it? It's not about the common thing. Yeah. <laughs> For the Caribbean space, we're made up of slaves, former slaves, indentured servants, and what I would call maybe the reject siblings. So like the British people, some of them who would have come down would have been the poorer siblings who didn't get the big inheritance. Yeah. So they moved to the Caribbean or people who were trying to accumulate wealth, almost like how in the US people went to the West, the wild West, and they try to make their money there. It's a similar thing. You came down here to try to do better and make more, and they did. But yeah, you 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 weren't the ideal yeah. <laughs> if you were down here necessarily. You know, yeah. so that changes how we look at it because what would have inspired what is popular and looks Caribbean didn't come from the upper classes. Came yeah. from the lower. You know, all the colors that. You know, if you think of a more conservative society, being that colorful wouldn't necessarily have been too good. But yeah. we love our color <laughs> and we'll paint our houses in all kinds of colors and wear all these colors and that kind of thing. And that has become very much in keeping with what people think of when they think of the Caribbean and Caribbean style and that kind of thing. But is it really aesthetics? Because it was really influenced by the lower classes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, even some of the classic furniture and that kind of thing, the origins weren't necessarily upper class. It would have been what everybody had. The obsession with paling or galvanized, which you'll see it around the Caribbean and now you'll see shops if they want to look Caribbean, they might have a painted galvanized roof. Lower classes, <laughs> you know. But it looks so pretty and it looks so elevated and it's like, you know, I want to explore that. Maybe it's bad that I want to, I don't know. I don't know if it's good, bad or indifferent, but I want to explore that. What, what does aesthetics mean to me in my Caribbean identity? And I, I want to see if a Caribbean aesthetic is possible, mm -hmm. I'd like to see more of it. Like yeah. the like there's an author, I think it was Derek Walcott, but I'm not absolutely sure, you know, who apparently, so I'm told, said that, you know, a Caribbean aesthetic is impossible. It's too late for that, you know, because there has been that history of looking into philosophy and all that kind of thing to determine this is our, no, that hasn't no. happened. It's not happening, <laughs> you know, but yeah. So I, I try to weave that into, into my work. Like I did one graphic design project um, with a client as a design advisor at our investment and development corporation, which is my client. Um, and actually she's a really good case study example kind of thing. So when she came to me, the name of her company was Spa Essentials, which, you know, because I'm advising her and developing her brand, you know, Spy Essentials doesn't really tell me about who you are. Anybody yeah. could be Spy Essentials. And in a lot of, because it's a lot of talking and discussions and just trying to get them 
to come to clarity themselves because they will tell you eventually if you ask enough questions you know i found out that her ancestry was arawak which is our indigenous people some of our indigenous mm -hmm. people and i was like well she she's very and she knew what she wanted to do she was very interested in using our natural things so she will get and from all over the caribbean she will source her black sand for her scrubs from st vincent and she'll source all her sugar cane from barbados and you know all these kinds of things she'll source all over the caribbean which is really cool so she 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 knows herself and her identity and the product that she's producing but when it comes to her branding it falls down you yeah. know so we talked about what kinds of words does she associate with her brand what kind of story is she trying to communicate and tell what kind of experience is she trying to pull people into you know and there are a lot of different ones that you can for her there were a lot of different ones but we, we had to narrow it down and she eventually <laughs> settled on the name moral which is um indigenous for like lush verdant life she said she got it from her grandma um which was really nice for a body care and stuff company that's cute you know and yeah. then for the the look and the style of her products um we talked about the caribbean experience of your grandma telling you to get a little bit of this and put it on that for this you know all the remedial kinds of things like use aloe vera use aloes for this and that kind of thing um so a lot of that imagery started to pull on our shadow houses so shadow houses are they were little mobile houses they weren't mm -hmm. mobile homes but like you could pick it up off its stilts and move it so like when the slaves moved they moved with their house okay. they cattle. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so pulling the inspiration from the chattel house, which was a wooden house, and pulling that wood print and putting it down, going, okay, we're going to use that in some way. And then um, the influence of like the great houses and the wrought iron work, like really nice wrought iron work. Like back in that day, you had some amazing, like impeccable detail um, artisans who would work with wrought iron. You'd see yeah. wrought in the fences and the gates and the fret work and the trim and all these kinds of areas for, for homes and that kind of thing. Beautiful stuff. Um, so that, pull that, put it aside. So eventually in crafting her brand, it like she was like, it looks and feels Caribbean. And really I know what I would have done in terms of layering all these concepts and so on. So like her patterns can adjust because um, they're layered so you can adjust the color of one layer color of another layer so the layering of the print from the siding panel of the chattel house layering that with flora and fauna of the caribbean and that kind of, well not so much fauna more flora flora of the caribbean that kind of thing so it becomes these patterns that you can work with and you can swap colors and so on and then creating her logo inspired by the wrought iron work yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty fun. I'm, I'm quite proud of her, her stuff and she has gone on to do so well. She's now exporting, um, to a couple islands in the region and she's in some spa places and so on. So she's making really good progress. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah so that's fun stuff like exploring what is the Caribbean aesthetic. <laughs> Yeah. Good answer. Oh, whether um, it's plantation stuff or the chattel house stuff or whatever. I like the thinking part. Yeah. <laughs> I like the, the conceptualizing, the creativity, the combining of ideas, you know, because mm -hmm. I think in a sense, most designers will probably combine different ideas and different inspirations. So I like that gathering process, gathering the inspiration, gathering the research, and then running it around up here before I put something up. I like the part that goes on up here, the finding the connections between things and yeah. 
the thinking part, the conceptual, creative thinking. And yeah, I like that. Wow, what a, that was a great listen. I love Debbie's perspective, uh, and uh, I hope, Natalie, you enjoyed it as much as I did. So, Natalie, after listening to this interview, how do you think place and identity impacted uh, Debbie's work? Yeah, I think that place has really impacted her work, especially with her involvement in the Barbados Investment and Development Corporation. She's using design and design thinking to work to better Barbados, and she's creating these projects that help to bring other people from other disciplines together to find solutions that can solve challenges that are impacting Barbados, like housing, climate change, water accessibility, et cetera. Barbados and Debbie's work go hand in hand, and I think that, I really think that's inspiring. Uh, What about you, what do you think? So all of these projects that Debbie leads are about bringing groups of people together to solve problems, um, prompted by, you know, organizers that's related to issues that Barbados is facing, just as you said. Debbie uses uh, design thinking in her projects, uh, specifically the Blue Flame Challenge in Bridgetown uh, 2030 to guide people on how design thinking can help people come together to solve social issues through stepping into other people's shoes. Debbie uses design and design thinking to get participants in these challenges and her other projects to understand how someone with a different identity in life navigate their shared environment, hoping to create an emphatic and sympathetic solution. Yeah. Uh, what did you learn about them, about Debbie, about design, design thinking, and social innovation? Um, Debbie believes that design thinking has more power and more of an impact when applied appropriately using the skills from the various design disciplines and pushing conversations and projects uh, toward including those with professional design training. She emphasizes that ideas created, created in these projects can have better execution and more of an impact than they would if a designer had not been included. There's a greater value in professionally trained designers because designers have the skill sets from their disciplines to be better, uh, to, to better ex- execute their ideas. What about you, uh, uh, Natalie? Yeah, Debbie had said in her interview that when we overlook the functional aspect of design, we cut ourselves short and limit the impact of design can have. When talking about how as a graphic designer, people would want her to just use her design skills to make things look pretty. Debbie emphasizes that there is more to design than just something looking pretty or appealing. It's about problem solving. And I think that's important to understand to learn. Debbie described just the role that design plays in solving problems, like with her projects for VIDC. So it's critical that we put more value to design and understand that by diminishing the feel to what it can make something look like diminishes the impact that design can have. Very, very, very well said. Uh, as two students who are not formal designers, um, what advice did you take away from this episode for non-designers who are using design methods? Yeah, I, I think Debbie emphasizing that as a non-designer, you need to have value for design is important to remember and is good advice. Non-designers might forget that or not credit design and design thinking methods in their work, failing to acknowledge how design can be impactful and valuable across different fields. So in a sense, if you don't have the value for the methods and tools you're using, you are hiding and making it visible to people who have made it possible for you to use those methods and tools. Uh, what advice did you take away? The advice that Debbie has for new designers and non-designers is that design is really great to explore. And as you're practicing design thinking, you need to remember you aren't necessarily a designer using utilizing design and design thinking. Um, but you, you got to realize that uh, design and design thinking can contribute to problem problem solving. But always remember there's a role for the for the disciplines of the, of design respect the value to the persons who have a design degree what they can contribute to a solution if you want to call yourself a designer design thinker you need to have value for design you need to read you need to engage you need to, you need to get involved but remember it doesn't ever replace the role of designers and their skill sets within their disciplines yeah that was that was really great uh thoughts on that um was there anything they said, uh, that Debbie said that surprised you, that you didn't agree with, or that inspired you? So Debbie uses uses design thinking in her projects, uh, specifically the Blue Flame Challenge in Bridgetown 2030 to guide people on how design thinking can help come together to solve social issues through stepping in. Um, 
So Debbie used design, design and designers and design thinkers to uh, get participants in these challenges and her other projects to understand how someone with a different identity in life uh, can navigate through their shared environment. So this was very interesting for me and I wanted to learn more about this because I do feel like stepping in other people's shoes is the way for us to come together. What about you, uh, uh, Natalie? Was there anything that inspired you that you agreed with? Yeah. Uh... Like, like Debbie said, we need the professional aspects of design. Not everyone has the training to be a designer. And while you can be a designer to some degree, you may lack the training, the skill set, and the knowledge that brings value to design and to design thinking itself. And I thought this was really surprising because I don't think I've heard a designer yet in this podcast series say, wait a minute, you aren't a professional designer. You don't have the training, the skill set, et cetera. But I think it was really honest what she said, but also reflects the idea that in reality, not everyone is a designer, and just because you use design thinking, it's um, just because you use design thinking. People need to understand that also that, but also make sure that they don't let that they don't let that destroy them from using those methods and tools. That you can still use them. Just make sure that you understand that where the value lies with design and professional aspects of design. So thank you for that perspective. Was there anything you wanted to learn more about? If you could ask them another question, what would it be? Yeah, I think I would have liked to hear more about how Debbie defines and uses design thinking within her own work. She talked a lot about how design thinking is used within her projects with the Barbados Investment and Development Corporation, but I don't think she went into as much detail about how she specifically defines design and design thinking. So I would have liked to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, what about you? Well, design thinking cannot always be used without the skill set and knowledge of those who use it in their own discipline who tr who are trained in design. Designers like Debbie have the ability to make sure that design can have a real impact to address problems and not just an afterthought as to what should have been done. Involving design helps to make sure that you may be creating or solving uh, is, is impactful from all levels, ultimately having more value in what you are producing. Uh, I would have liked to hear more about this point. I would have liked to hear more examples in her own work, just as you said. Well, thank you for joining us here today, Natalie. And for our, our listeners out there, please feel free to check our website, comment, and share. And uh, hopefully, Natalie, will get you back on another episode. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this interview from our Hello from the Pluriverse series. A special thank you to Arturo Escobar, the author of Designs for the Pluriverse, for opening the space for conversations about pluriversality in design. Many thanks as well to all of our interviewees, our Design Thinking student team, Ruby, Lupe, Delaney, Tran, and Wissal, the students of the Fall 2019 SICE 3010 class, Levante, Lucas, our editor, and the rest of the team at the Taylor Center at Tulane. If you have any suggestions for our program, please email your comments, suggestions, and questions to taylor at tulane.edu. And also you can visit our website at taylor.tulane.edu.